All right. How is everybody? Good? Great to hear. We've been working our way through Ephesians, and um, I'm excited about the section that we're at. The uh, text that we'll be working from is in your bulletin there, but I want to talk with you about the risky things in life. Some are worth it and some aren't, you know, we're not quite sure about. Like this guy here, feeding gators in the swamp water. Notice, that's kind of risky, isn't it? And, and then also notice that the alligator is not looking at his offering, but rather looking at his kneecaps. I wonder if this guy knows this. That's a big gator, too. Crocodile. That's, there is a difference. Either way, look at the teeth. You don't want that thing looking at your kneecaps in the water with it. How about this? That's Brendan out on his paddleboard. That's risky, isn't it? How about this? Any kayakers in the group? Anyone kayak? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know. And it looks like, it looks like this is two kayaks, doesn't it? So what? I only see three people. Is the fourth guy, like, is that what they're looking at? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, maybe it is just three kayaks. Grabbing a tiger by the tail? That's a little risky, isn't it? But probably the riskiest thing that we do day to day, moment to moment, is we take this jump of love. It's risky business. And sometimes we're aware of the risk. Sometimes we're not aware of the risk. But it's like it's there. And it's no wonder that God keeps, from the start of the book to the end of the book, keeps reminding us, love one another. Right? He just, it's like ad nauseum. You keep telling us, you know, love our neighbor as yourself. Uh, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Kids, love your parents. Love, love, love. Keeps pounding away. And in today's chapter, remember, Paul is building on chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And now he elaborates more in chapter 5 as he opens up. He says, I want you to live a life of love, of love. But I was asking some people. I asked people in coffee shops. I, I called some people that I know. I emailed a few people. Um, and, and my big thing is that's what I've been studying for the last, for sure, 20 years is love. Why, Why is it so hard to do this thing that we're called to do? God wants us to do it. Why is it so hard? So I asked people, I said, what, what, what's the biggest challenge you face when loving? Or what do you think is the biggest challenge that people face? So take a moment and think about that question. What's the big challenge you face in trying to do love? Think about it for a moment. What would you say? Yeah, overlooking the wrongs that are done back at you, right? Like what about what, when I get injured in the making of this film called Love, right? What else? Someone said something. Trust. Yeah, it's risky, isn't it? It's because you, you know I'm, I'm kind of... St- Jumping like this guy's jumping into this. It's like, is this going to work? What else? 
Communication. Isn't it amazing how that, I don't know, I heard it from over here somewhere, I don't know who said it. But yeah, so it's amazing sometimes, you know, how it goes like this, isn't it? And then, then you wonder, like, don't you understand me? I can't understand you. What else? Sacrificing yourself. Oh, sacrifice versus selfish. Yeah. Really to give yourself away freely versus protecting me. What's going on on this side of the room? Give you some answers. Risking rejection. That's a biggie. Can you all relate to that? It's like, what happens? That's when we step into a strange room. That's kind of what we wanted. And in fact, these are all, you know, really good. I, I put them in two big buckets. The, the one challenge that we have is the bucket of risk. What's going to happen to me if I try love, right? And then the second bucket um, is, and people said this to me, they said, I, I kind of wonder if I'm doing love the wrong way. And some of the things that they said were, like, when I try to do tough love, is that really selfish? Is it really about me? You know, some people talk about boundaries, and it's like, am I just doing this for my own gain? Or is it mean? Or they, another person said, when is, when is patience passivity? Where I'm just kind of letting things go that I shouldn't let go. Yet I know love is patient, but when is that passivity? And, and here was one that was really big for this person. They said, how come my love doesn't seem to work? How come when I love another person, I don't get love back? And so this thing that, that we're called to do, live a life of love, is risky business. And it looks a little bit like this psychosocial experiment. Could we took, take the lights down and watch this? Watch this. So we're going to pop a few here this morning now. So what happened was this company, Carlsberg Beer, I think it's in Holland, they, they had heard about this psychosocial experiment just like that. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's so 
I mean, to me, it, it just resonates with what love's like. Someone had said trust, I think, you know, and, and it's when you walk in and you size up the situation. I mean, would you guys have gone and sat down in those two seats? Would you? Yeah? All right, we'll find out because we're going to do a psychosocial experiment at Bridge Run. No, but I, so you walk in and you wonder, is, if I sit in this space, if I move into this place, what will happen to me? Isn't that what we wonder? And it's like, is this safe? And love takes us all the time to these uncomfortable places where we're wondering what's going to happen to me. And the Apostle Paul knew this all too well. I mean, here's a dude that, I mean, his love for the church is off the hook, and yet he gets thrown off a ship. He gets beaten with rods. He gets thrown out of cities. He gets stoned numerous times, yet he keeps on loving. And you've you got to look at this guy and you go, man, he, he has something to tell us, doesn't he? He has something to show us. And he is the one who tells us love is the greatest. 1 Corinthians 13. He tells his disciple Timothy, the goal of this command is love. He says in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts people is love. It's that faith that expresses itself through love. And so our big challenge, and honestly, I think in the end of time, we're probably going to get two questions. Did you know me? And did you know me in a way that caused you to love like me? I think that's really what it comes down to. I think that's the two questions on the final exam. Did you know me? And out of that knowledge, did you love like me? So let's take a look at the text, and let's, how do we do this for real? Lord, how, how do we practice this radical love? Here's what Paul says. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, think with me. If the two big bucket concerns that we have is the risk of lo- losing myself when I try love, that's, the, that's one big piece. And then the other big piece that we wonder about is, am I, am I doing love right? We want to take those questions into this text and say, Paul, teach us. Address those concerns. What do we do with the risk we feel when we love? And what do we do to make sure that we're doing love correctly? So, Let's talk about the risk part first. And of course, there's a triangle going to be involved. There's you. There's them. The 148 bad boys in a movie theater could be someone who annoys you at work. It could be the bully at school. It could be the neighbor that, you know, just is too loud and crazy and drives you nuts. It could be me. It could be whoever But you're feeling this risk and this challenge of how do I do it? How do I really love in a way that I I can deal with the risk? Because the reality is is that when we risk love, this is what it looks like. I'm going to give you my heart, but I'm afraid that I'm going to lose part of me. And the you becomes the ooh. Say that with me. Ooh. Say it again. Ooh, 
You know what I'm talking about. When you give your heart to someone, you share a part of you, and all of a sudden it turns into, ooh, that hurts. You just ran over me. And so we've got this, this challenge that how, how do I give away part of me? How do, how do I give away part of me without losing me? And, and how, do, how do I give away part of me? And, and, not, and then as time is going on, because we tend to, in our wiring, we tend to ante up all the time. How many of you, if, if someone takes you out to lunch, says something like this, I'll get it next time? How many? Raise your hand. Testing times. That's me. Are the rest of you, are you being honest? You could just plain out receive it? If someone gives you a gift or someone does something nice for you, are you compelled to ante up? Most of us are. And so our wiring, our nature, when we're trying to give away ourselves, is we are, in a sense, keeping a scorecard. And that's the thing that makes us say, I'm done, I've had it, I'm through with you. I'm not going back there. Or we insulate. Here in Minnesota, we do the quiet thing, don't we? We just kind of fade off into the sunset until finally they come and they poke at us enough and we bite their fingers off. We call it Minnesota nice. Come on, people. Isn't that true? That's, 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 how, that's, that's the culture that we're in. So we're, we're trying to figure out how, how, if I'm supposed to love just as Jesus loved, and it says he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. That's how we're supposed to love. What do you think, people? It's easy to feel, ooh, isn't it? So what, what Paul gives us so that we don't insulate or isolate ourselves, that we don't pull away or push people away, is he gives us the key. And it looks like this. Because he says this. He says, listen, you are dearly loved children. God is your constant supplier. When you're giving away yourself, you're wondering, if I love them, who's going to love me? If I reach towards them, who's going to reach towards me? If I give you that, who's going to give me that? Am I the only one feeling this? This is our human struggle, isn't it? It's who will take care of me if I give myself away. And so Paul says, don't ever lose sight of the fact that you are dearly loved children. So this is why John says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. That's instructive. That's not just filler. That's not just some part of a poem. That's the reality that we love. How come? Because he first loves us. Jesus on his deathbed tells his students, listen, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. What's he talking about? Why does he say in the same chapter, apart from me, you can do nothing? And he says, a new command I give to you. What? Love one another. How? 
just as I have loved you. Woo! And so what we notice in this moment when we stop attempting and risking love is, oh, sorry, is that we are not living out of the first three chapters of Ephesians where he says, I will bless you with every spiritual blessing. If you will follow me in love, I will bless you. I'll give you what you need. I'll provide the grace. I'll be there. Will you have to stretch with me? Yes, probably. But I will show you the way because I am the way. Because I'm love. And so when we notice ourselves, we're, we're, we're pulling away or we're pushing people away. Ask yourself, am I abiding in love in a way that his love flows through me? One of the most challenging things that you can do as a parent is raise a certain creature we call in America teenagers. Do you know the animal of which I speak? All of a sudden, something happens to them. I I call it hormones. They're not hormones. They're hormones. They're like... And when these things get injected into their bloodstream, they start acting strange. And so they say things. I remember the first time one of my kids who remained anonymous said to me, Dad, when you pick me up in the circle at school, I'd be way over. Way over where? Out of sight. What am I, Shrek? That's what I said. What am I, Shrek? Oh, Dad, I just... It, it just feels weird. It feels weird. I'm in you. My blood flows through your veins. And there's all these kinds of things where, you know, for the most part at that point in time, it's a rough ride, isn't it? All those who are parents and teenagers, raise your hand. Now, if it was easy, put it down. Leave your hand up. If it was easy, put it down. It wasn't that easy, was it? Did they give back? To you, the love you gave to them in equal quantities, mm. in equal qualities. Dad a girl, I like that. Love up on mama. Grab dad too. Share the love <laughs> and a kiss. That's, you know, because that's just a great lesson at that moment. You're, you're learning. You're learning deeper measures of how God will gracefully work through you. I remember one of the hardest moments was when, because, you know, I don't tell the stories about my past because I want my kids to copy me. I hope that they'll learn from my mistakes. But we went through a time where one of my kids went through a short season experimenting with some things that I did. And I remember sitting there having the conversation, and everything in me wanted to be mad. But you know what? It wasn't righteous anger. It was really anger because I was so mad at me. It's like, why, you know, this is, I felt like it was my bad. But when you see your bad up close in the mirror, it's easy to get frustrated and say things that are dumb, isn't it? And at that moment, I can remember listening. and 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 it was just one of those moments I said, Lord, I need to love like you. And I don't know what to do. And as soon as I prayed that prayer, I started to weep. And I, I just cried for about five minutes. When I finished crying, I looked at this child of mine and I said, 
I'm really sorry that I even missed what was going on in your life. Will you forgive me? And in that moment, it reset the relationship. And it was not Mark's love, was it? I can't manufacture that kind of love. It's God's love. And God says, if you're going to risk being a follower of mine, you're going to have to risk loving like that. And the only way that you can love like that is key number one, sit in me, abide in me, let my love flow through you. Because the only thing that counts is faith, trust, expressing itself through love. Now, what about this question of, am I doing love rightly? Paul says to imitate God. And so this idea of imitate, you can only imitate what you see, what you experience, right? That's how we do it. So, you know, I, I, I spend a fair amount of time around Brendan and Shan and little Gracie. But we've all done this with little kids, little babies, whether it's been ours or other ones. Like, when, they, when all of a sudden they just randomly move their arm, don't you go crazy? Look, they're waving. And then everybody in the room is doing this, right? Do what I'm doing, wave. And the baby's looking at you like, wow, I wonder if I can switch families, you know? But you try to, you know, and, and then, um, you know, like Gracie right now, she's doing touchdown. Oh, touchdown. Now, I don't know if they caught on a moment when Gracie was just yawning and going, oh. And Brennan jumped up and went, that's touchdown. And everybody in the room was like, touchdown, touchdown, do it. But we learn what we learn as children all the way through and as adults by imitation, don't we? We see it, and as we watch it, it becomes us. I remember when I first started to um, go down and, and, and look at preaching with uh, John Piper at Bethlehem Baptist. And John has a very unique style. You know, he's, he's real passionate when he... He, he doesn't walk around like Brendan and I does, but he'll like grab the pulpit, he leans forward and he goes, the white, hot passion for the love and desire. You know, he does these real intense things. And when I went down the first time and I met his pastoral assistant, I couldn't believe it. It was like seeing a miniature John Piper. I said, and his name was John. I said, John, how are you? And he goes, Oh, the burning desire of the Lord is firing my heart. And I thought, okay, sounds like a good day. Kind of like, cool. And then I turned around and I met another one of the people, and they did exactly the same thing. And I'm thinking, wow, are these people robots? What are they? But when you see something that's, that is admirable or a quality or you're around it for a while, you imitate it, don't you? Have you noticed when all of a sudden you're around someone's spouses, you know, you start doing what they do? Or, you know, your kids start reflecting back to you. They're doing something you do, the imitation. Does that happen to you? And you go, he gads, it's spreading. And you recognize it. We all learn by imitation. This is why Brendan and I keep harping. We have to ask the question, what are you doing here, God? And in these moments where we feel like we're sitting with 148 biker guys in this cramped theater, at that moment we've got to have the presence of mind and heart to say, Lord, what are you doing here? Let me see it. Do you understand? 
Think about how many misunderstandings and fights in your friendships or your marriages or your family would be eradicated if you would pause for a moment and say, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then as you see what the Lord is doing, you do it. I remember this couple um, some years ago that I counseled. Actually, quite a while ago, they were like night and day, east and west. They were so different. She was super creative. He was a computer engineer for IBM at that point in time. He made Clint Eastwood look uh, just verbose. And she was this spontaneous uh, tornado of creativity. So much so that one day or one week he was away on a business trip. And she got into a creative flurry. And she completely redid the house. I mean, completely. The yard painted the outside house. When you went inside, the carpet was all torn. The furniture was all new. Every room was painted. There were new stuff everywhere. And he came back. He drove his own car back from the airport. And when he got to the house, he looked at the address. Everything else looked different. <laughs> and so they were there to see him. And they said, we can't live like this. You know, she just completely turns it. And, and they were going back. And I said, well, you, you got to... In these moments, I mean, you guys are. You're like Mars and Venus. You're coming from east and west. But you guys, in the moment, someone has to grab hold of, God, what are you doing here? What's it look like to love this person you created? And so the creative person, Cheryl, she used to grab Mike's hand and she'd get down her knees. She'd go, pray for me that I might have understanding. She'd do something goofy like that to break the ice and shift the focus. Because at that moment, it's really easy to lose track of what God is doing and then just to think about what I want to do. I want to throw you off the planet. Right? I want to make you disappear. But, you see, in the moment, Paul says, you need to imitate God. What does he do? He, he gives himself. And see, we can't do that if we lose sight of the fact that we're also God's, that he's going to provide and work through us. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. And so we've always got to be watching, Lord, what are you doing here? Show me how to love this person. How many of you have challenging, difficult people that you're trying to love in your life right now? Raise it up. I, I, th I think most of us must. If you don't, oh man, I want to switch places for a week or two. But you've you got these, these, these things that, these people that, challenge you with all kinds of things, and you're trying to figure out how, what does it look like to imitate. And I think Eugene Peterson does a great job here in the message when he translates the verse that we just read. Let's read it together, and then I'm going to just highlight a few things, and then we're going to go to prayer. Here's what Eugene says. Watch what God does. See, that's the imitation part. See, see? See what he's doing, and then you do it. You do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Can I get an amen? He loves you. Say it again. Amen. He, say, God loves me. Say it one more time. God loves me. Do you really believe that? He's crazy in love with you. You don't give away your only begotten son, unless you're crazy in love. 
So mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. If we are going to be a church that builds one another up, Paul says in chapter 4 that building up is in love. Love like that. Extravagant, pour yourself out kinds of love. When people see that, it changes. We had a neighbor who we'd known a fair amount. Actually, my wife Betsy knew him better. And he was dying. And he was not a churchgoer. He was not a God follower. He was kind of a gruff guy. Yet there were some parts of him that just were kind of intriguing. But if you would talk to him about God, he would go like this. Have you know anybody like that? Stay away. And God put this guy on my wife's heart. She couldn't shake it. First she thought it was to pray. So she did. But as she prayed, she realized it was more than that. She needed to go to the hospital over and over and over again. And as she would go, she would ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? How do I love this guy? What do I do? And finally, one time in their conversations, she said to him, Dean, do you realize that God loves you? He said, no. There's no way God loves me. Why do you say that? Well, I guess I'm just not worth loving. So she read him a couple of scriptures. And she kept visiting him. She kept praying for him. She kept talking to him. Time and time again. And finally, when he was right at death's door, they had another conversation. She said, Dean, do you believe that God loves you? His answer was telling. He said, he must. She said, why? Because he keeps sending you to me, and I see his love in you. And with that, he gave his heart to Christ. You see, we need both. Jesus is always knocking, but sometimes he needs us to be the, the mailman. And when we go and we give that life of love, when we live that, when they look at it and they say, this is unconditional, they can't be that comfortable for them to keep coming visiting me. I'm crabby, I'm grumpy, I'm prickly. But you keep coming. What's up with that? So this morning, fresh with this challenge, I want to pray with you about two things as we prepare for the offering. In fact, close your eyes, would you? And I want, I want you just to let the Spirit speak to you. Are you struggling with risking love? Have you just turned that down where you're, not, you're only doing low-level risk? You're not doing the radical Jesus risk where you jump. It's just real low level. If that's you, lean back into the fact that you're dearly loved. As we go to worship and prayer, get prayer. Say, Lord, help my heart to really trust in the fact that you've got me. You hold me.
And if maybe you are struggling in your life in an area where you wonder, I don't know if I'm doing this right. It doesn't feel like it's working. It doesn't feel like it's right. Same thing. Open your heart. Say, Lord, I know school's in session. I'm going to go get prayer. I'm going to listen to you while we worship. I'm going to receive from you while we take communion. And I want to leave this place with new passion to live a life of love, just like you do. So, Lord, send your spirit to help us with these things. They're huge. Quell our fears. Let your peace and your spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. And, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to give to you, we also prepare our hearts for you. So come now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.